instead of Brixton, it can be Britain. You know, instead of just, you know, serving one demographic, you can serve all of humanity. You know, instead of just kind of being hood rich, maybe you can actually start a business and be rich. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines, and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. My guest today is one of the UK's most powerful activists, a former gang leader that has turned his life around completely. And now he uses his voice to bring awareness to the challenges that many young people face in today's modern world. His is a true story of transformation. Now he is a poet, TEDx speaker, a father, and an inspiration to many. He has recently worked with Google, He's been featured in The Guardian, and last year he climbed the highest mountain in Europe with Sir Richard Branson and raised over £6 million for Big Change Charity. Wow. Welcome to the studio, Carl Loco. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming in. Wow, where do I start? <laughs> so your journey has been nothing short of incredible, and I have a feeling that you're only just getting started. So for anyone listening who might not know very much about you, yeah. can you take us back and talk us through your story of transformation? Mm, I kind of have to probably take it to the to the essence, to the very beginning, and um, so son of illegal immigrants you know um mother and father migrated to the uk you know they wanted the london american dream you know <laughs> the possibility that you know yeah they're gonna make something happen um came from poor conditions in accra and my mother was from winnabar which is outside the capital but yeah um had an older brother who actually was born in ghana and they had to leave him because they didn't have enough um, money you know so my dad came first worked a bit made enough money to bring my mother over. Then they had me worked a bit and then brought my brother over. Yeah. And we were a normal family, you know, cool, you know, good times. Um, my brother's about four years older than me, but me and him were about similar in height. Okay. So <laughs> everyone kind of thought we were like really close in age. So we just kind of acted like it, you know? So um, yeah, good times. Cotton Eye Joe, we danced to it. And then every Saturday, you know, um, banter. My parents are lovers, mm. you know, so um, in regards to their kids, you know, they loved me fully, yeah. you know, so my dad would take me to, I, I used to think it was huge things back then, he would, he would take me to Chinatown maybe once a month, mm. you know, he, um, he's very hands-on, take us to, um, to the park to ride our bikes, you know, and yeah, he was just that guy, you know. And my mum, she also was aggressive when it came to love too. She and I was a mommy's boy. Still, I'm a mommy's boy. Right. Yeah. So she kind of yeah she played into that definitely. And yeah, it was all going well. I was a high achiever in school. You know, they literally looked at me every day like the meal ticket. You right. know, because my parents came over to obviously make mm. something happen. 
and they thought that maybe they could you know do that through their seed you know legacy mm -hmm. they invested in us and um yeah i excelled um school was really easy for me um because i was able to regurgitate what they gave me you know so that worked a charm yeah and so top sets for every class um staying behind after school to do further maths further science um also a maths competition science competitions you know and i was just chewing up all the literature they would give me and yeah i was just hungry for more i just wanted that you know and i loved the response i got from my teachers okay you know, that I think that was my main fuel, if I'm being honest, you know. I just loved to see the smiley face and the 100%, it became my thing, you know. So, um, yeah, that was happening. And then it just all broke. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I started to go outside, you know. Okay. And I, I grew up on um, an estate in Brixton, um, South London. And it was just rife with just certain happenings, you know. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of crime, um, a lot of like the gang culture was quite heavy you know it had at that time there had a hu huge yardy influence as well you know so yeah it was just a lot you know i started to um understand how things worked mm. you know so go into the shop weren't just go into the shop it was an adventure Okay. You know, you have to make it home with you know the correct change you were given. That, that's if you, that's assuming you make it to the shop without being encountered first okay. on your way back. So both ways, you know, it's a landmine. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a minefield. Sorry, and yeah, I, I I got used to that, but I couldn't get used to that. Okay, and how how old were you then? I would say twelve. I'm very aware of this. Mm. You know, a friend of mine actually. When I was, yeah, when I was, no, yeah, when I was 12, one of my friends in the area, his dad was actually murdered over a PlayStation game, wow. you know? And this was like, <laughs> yeah, that was when I was 12 years old. So mm -hmm. like he was about, yeah, same age as me. Wow. Um, And it was just a normal, like just some of the area boys just literally would come to his house and kind of force him to borrow games. They weren't bringing it back. And then one day, like, the father's obviously working hard for these, you know, it was like £40 a pop then, £50 a pop, you mm. know, 50 quid's a lot of money, mm. you know. So then one day he just came outside and was basically trying to tell them, like, you know what, this shouldn't really be happening. Like, stop that and try to kind of, you know. Mm. And, yeah, one thing led to another and he ended up getting stabbed in his heart and died, you know. <laughs> and, that, yeah, I can name, I can spit out things was happening, you know. So, yeah, I just thought, you know, my 12-year-old brain got to ticking. How am I going to solve this? Because mm. this needs to be solved, you know? I, I did understand that school was potentially a route, right. but I'm like, I'm going to be in school for a very long time. We're still going to be in this locality for the next maybe decade. Mm. You know, things are happening now, mm. you know? So I just thought, you know what? i got to fix it. And that's when it started to get a bit, yeah. You got involved? I got involved. Mm. I did, I did, I did. Oh, yeah. And what do you think, what was it that drew you to, you know, that got you involved? Because I actually read, I read um, a headline, actually, I'm not sure how accurate this was, but it actually yeah. said that, you know, you yourself had been shot at, that you'd, yeah. been, that you'd been stabbed and, that yeah. and lost a friend in, yeah. in that time as well. Yeah, absolutely. All by the age of 16. As I said, my 12, I emphasise my 12-year-old brain because my 12-year-old brain and my 29-year-old brain are very different mm, brains. Of course. You know, but my 12-year-old brain got to ticking. It mm. really did. I mean, it was, it plagued every single day. There was not, there was not a moment I didn't think about that. Mm. You know, because 
whether or not I had made it home, dodged the mines in this minefield and made it home. Mm. I knew tomorrow I must go to school again. <laughs> you know, then my older brother, they're actually being a bit more forceful with him because he's four years older than me. So they're dealing with him in a different way. You know, so I'm petrified for him. My mother's car's being broken into quite regularly. And at one occasion, my father actually, in the while they were actually attempting to break into the car, this, I think it was maybe the third time. It was just a Fiat Punto. They just went to see if there was anything in there. And my dad actually went outside to kind of confront them. And I just remember that whole situation just feeling so powerless. Mm. And I'm like, I have to cure this, mm. you know? So for me, the cure, the just the possibility of fixing this, that is what caused me to... I would I would say rise, even though it's not a rise, but yeah, it mm. caused me to say that, you know, I made the decision. Mm. It weren't like, I mean, I actually made the decision. I remember I was about maybe 12 and a half, 13, oh, just shy of 13. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I am not, this is not, yeah, no, not me and mine. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Where did you go from there? So you're 16. You've been, yeah. you know, you've become a part of, as you said, you know, you know, you, you've got involved. So, yeah. you know, whether that's crime, whether that's, you know, yourself being in these altercations and I guess stepping up and saying, well, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to actually, you know, as you said, be, take on this masculine role and kind yeah. of step into that. So yeah. yeah, where did you go from there? Um, I just carried on pretending because it was actually a pretense, mm. if I'm honest, because that wasn't who my mother had brought up, you know? So, um, I kind of constantly went against my initial kind of response mm. constantly. And I always describe it like Jim Carrey in the mask, you know, that scene where he's frantically trying to get it off, but it just won't come off. Right. You know, he had the luxury of putting it on and taking it off, you know, and he was enjoying the perks of when the mask was on, but it did get to that for me. Right. Like I couldn't turn it off. You know, I knew I didn't need that at home. So when I would come home, I would kind of drop the act, mm. you know, and assume I'll be Carl at home. You know, when I stepped outside, I was locks. That's what they called me, you know? Right. And yeah, it got to a point when I'm coming home, I'm still locks. Right. You know, like I got a bulletproof vest on that I don't take off when I, even when I get home, mm. you know, I sleep in it sometimes, you know? And yeah, it was just, that's just life, you know? And I actually became cold mm. there was it, it got to a point where it was yeah it was cold it was dark yeah yeah and as i said you're still young you know even at 16 you're still young yeah so i guess what i'd like to know because we know that you know you have transformed your life you've changed yeah. your life completely so yeah. you know was there a specific moment was there a time was the one catalyst moment that made you decide okay today this is it you know i don't want this anymore i want to take off this mask that's it yeah or was there a gradual process with you know a combination of positive influence you know small steps that one day you know uh i know pastor mimi for example yeah. had a big influence in your life so yeah was it a wake-up moment or not i would say 
when a friend of mine actually started a, a dialogue with Pastor Mimi. And this friend was a significant friend to me because he came from, I break it down into um, imitators and initiators. And he came from an initiating background, which meant that his father was absent, mother um, was also struggling with her own kind of demons. And he literally would convert crime into school uniform for him and his siblings, you know? And he was actually a year younger than me academically, but he was exposed to the streets a lot earlier than I was. So he actually ended up teaching me most of what I knew about kind of, when I was younger, petty criminality. He's the one that showed me the ropes, right. you know? And he had such a connection to crime that when I did see him denounce criminality totally and go and get a job in McDonald's, I, yeah, I was beyond confused, right. you know? And that, I was like, huh? Because I fell in love with the road life. I was a road man, that's the, you know? And I fell in love with gangs. That was my, that was my infatuation. His was criminality. So I saw him leave the love of his life. So I was like, wait a second, what has actually happened? So I began to investigate. And then through that investigation, I entered into dialogue also with Pastor Mimi. And it didn't have that immediate effect on me, you yeah. know, if I'm being honest. But it did begin to, yeah, sow seeds of doubt that maybe mm. this isn't the way we should be living. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, luckily, thankfully, thank God that you that you did meet her. And Absolutely. I guess what you know what you said about seeing your friend there is, I guess you saw an example. You know, you saw his actions as well. Because I think yeah. when someone just tells you something, you mm -hmm. know, or you should do this or you should do that, I think witnessing yeah. someone's action is far more powerful especially absolutely. for young people absolutely we have to see it yeah we have to you have to see it yeah so and i guess personally you know i'm i'm totally fascinated with this concept of you know uh change and i yeah. think that all people are capable of change no matter how big no matter how small that change is yeah but unfortunately you know our environment uh, dictates a lot of our choices mm -hmm. so how hard was it for you to pull away from certain people you know when you decided okay maybe this isn't right maybe this isn't the path i mm. want and you started to as you said investigate into different ways yeah you know for a lot of young people they feel the peer pressure they feel an expectation yeah. and they don't feel like they can step away or mm -hmm. break away so yeah how did you do that you know, they speak about pains in this world, like um, toothache being maybe one of the worst pains. And like I watched a, a film on Netflix the other day and Bruce Willis was like some um, um, outlaw renegade, like prior doctor that turned kind of vigilante. And he said there's some nerve in the leg and he cut it and he was just pouring some sort of, I don't know, acid on it. And he was like, that's the worst pain in the world. And then like, there's all the childbirth, childbirth the yeah. worst <laughs> pain in the world and i think it's i think it was childbirth you know i can't give you i can't vouch for that because mm. you know it was my wife that underwent <laughs> the actual pangs of childbirth but from what i can i think it was childbirth to the point where the result almost gives me amnesia mm. I genuinely kind of forget how hard it was. Mm. But initially when I was undergoing it, it was, it was painful, mm. you know? Cause as I said, I wasn't just abandoning just a lifestyle. Mm. 
it was forget the style element that was my life you know so my friendship groups into i mean everything that was me you know everything was just intertwined with this so it felt like i was literally peeling off myself like and that's not you know it's just not an easy it's not an easy but it was i knew it was worth it you know i knew i just it was a, a lot of the language that Pastor Mimi would use, you know? She would never say, I heard people tell me that the streets is not the way and it's not good. And, you know, this good and bad thing, it weren't really cutting it with me because I was like, all right, what's not good, what's not bad, but what's necessary? And you see that there, that can be jigged depending on your philosophy, you know, and your the influences around you. So for me, I'm like, this is beyond, it transcends good or bad, it's necessary, you know? so. I weren't really hearing that. But then she would, she appealed to my ambition. She said, you're more than a gang member. I said, huh? There's more? Because where I was at, that was the, I mean, I was in Mecca. Like, I mean, I had reached, like the, every, every young man in my community wanted to be me, you know? So I'm like, no, I'm somebody's aspirations. What do you mean there's more than this? I thought I hit, I'm, at, I'm in the Premier League, you know? Um, so when she began to say that, began to pique yeah, my interest and my curiosity. I'm like, what do you mean more? And she began to just kind of speak from our heart that she sees more. You know, she sees that, like, instead of Brixton, it can be Britain, you know? Instead of just, you know, serving one demographic, you can serve all of humanity. You know, instead of just kind of, being hood rich maybe you could actually start a business and be rich you know and i'm like my days and then it started to kind of mess with my you know <laughs> yeah so she started to mess things up i didn't actually enjoy our conversation i enjoyed them because it was extremely therapeutic i felt cleansing it felt like i could be free but then the after effect of it it would sow these seeds of doubt that began to niggle and grow and fester and all the rest of it and result in me being very uncomfortable doing what I was doing. Well, change is uncomfortable, right? So this as you're describing, it. if she's challenging you and encouraging you to question your motives, to question, you know, well, have you considered this? Have you mm. thought about this? You know, change, there's a reason people resist change. Absolutely. Because as you said, change is painful. Absolutely. And it's hard. So hearing yeah. what she had to say, I'm sure was... I mean, it... Like, I don't know how, where we want to go. I, I must be honest, I... I have a story, mm. yeah? Like everybody does. Yep. And when you have a story, you know everyone has a story because it's not even maybe necessarily the parts of the story that everyone goes, oh, that is actually the ones that actually hurt you the most and mm. affect you the most to this day, you know? It's all relative, yeah. you know? So I've kind of gotten good at navigating and kind of saying maybe what is maybe acceptable, but I'm talking about in my transition, I mean, it was painful. Yeah. There'll be times that I would be like prostrated on the floor in tears, crying on the dirty kitchen floor, face on it flat, disregarding hygiene and all the rest of it because I'm just distraught and I'm just crying. And I can't actually tell you what I was crying over because if I told you what I was crying over, no one would like me, you know? And I mean, I was actually crying because I felt that I'm being kind of, I've been, stopped I'm like no I want to show forth no I want to represent no I want to let them know that I am the big bad locks 
Mike's Hall Estate, Baghdad's Giant, that's what they used to call me. I'm like, I want to show that fourth, you know? And I knew it was wrong and I couldn't and I felt like I was being victimised as a result of it. And I would literally cry. Like, and I mean, I didn't cry when friends died. So I'm trying to put things in perspective. I didn't cry for um, eight years, a whole eight years. You know, and I had friends murdered. I had cousins, a cousin that lost his life to leukemia. You know, these different things, just living how I lived. It kind of, as I said, I got cold at one point but i guess there's only so much pain as well that you know uh, our bodies our minds we you know there's only so much pain that someone can take and so if you're saying then you know you didn't cry for eight years where does that pain go you know that anger that you're a young child you know young guy at that time yeah and just as you said becoming cold becoming hard becoming you know resistant resistant Mm. resistant no wonder you know it was painful to break that down there's so much pain there i mean it was just it was a pain fest, yeah. from being honest. Like yeah. it just, but it's that weird thing that I get. All right, so I get scared <laughs> about how close I was to missing the life I'm living now. Mm. I mean, it actually frightens me, and it's not even. I, I haven't missed it. It's yeah, here now. Yeah, but, but I it's guess what could have been. What could have been? Yes, I'm. I'm, I'm terrified. I'm like, was I that close to missing this? Mm. So, I mean, like, it was, the outcome has been that worthy that I truly do get amnesia. It's only now I'm really kind of, for the sake of our, our sharing, I'm trying to go back and I'm entering it and I am being reminded, you know, but on a day-to-day yeah. You know, I just me and my baby. It's you know, yeah. I'm good for it. You it's know, gone, but yeah. yeah, no, it was it was hard. It but was hard. What you have, as you said, you know what you what you went through for what you have now. It's almost yeah. you know the two are disproportionate. You know, and have you heard the people say no strength without struggle? Mm. And I sometimes think the bigger the struggle, you know, the bigger the strength and the outcome in the end. So it's kind of you know, there's no measure for as you said that amount of pain and, yeah. and for someone for a child really to have yeah. to endure that. So wow, it's you know, it's just absolutely i'm lost for words with as you said who you were yeah. to who you are you yeah. wouldn't believe you know for anyone meeting I mean, you you're like this big giant <laughs> you're smiley you're you know welcoming warm embracing oh, thank you you wouldn't believe that that's the same person i mean it's, it's, it's crazy yeah i actually yeah it's crazy and as you said <laughs> you you know you had that 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 fear of oh my goodness i could have missed out on this yeah. but i'm sure there are so many yeah. so many young people yeah. who either have missed out on, on that opportunity or or might absolutely so with the work that you do as i said with young people yeah uh what would you say is the most rewarding thing about that you know being able to now share your testimony and, and help those people and what is the most challenging thing about it because it mm. must be challenging too it's soul food you know so i don't really i don't usually so for example, I might do something like a goodwill to someone, yeah? I think some people call it the help is high, yeah? I might do a goodwill to someone and then I've even forgotten gesture. And then maybe five moments later, I'm like, my days, I feel good. And then I'm like, I trace it back. I'm like, wow, it was actually, I can connect it to, it was that gesture. Mm. And I just feel like it just increases life you know, the quality of it, you know, it changes the fabric of it, you enjoy it, you wanna, you know, you you want more of that, it feels good, you sleep better, you know, because when you actually pursue things that maybe is out of 
intertwine with who you are, you know, and you're not doing what you're doing to contribute, but you more want to just take, and that can be in terms of whether you're captain of commerce, you know, whether you're captain on the football pitch, you know, if it's more a twang of contribution and you want to serve and you want to help, I believe you tap into that high. But if you don't, you get what you wanted and ain't got what you wanted, <laughs> you know? So for me, I think that's the huge, that's, that is the, yeah, that's what makes it win. Mm. You know, it just, I'm just happy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So when I get like, someone like I got some a guy from Toronto he was messaging me and just like you know what I grew up in a very similar situation to you um come from a deprived area in Toronto um yeah and I was in the mix but just hearing your story you know some years back like I've been following you like you keep me on the, and I'm doing x y and z today and I mean I didn't understand why I was whistling three moments later you know yeah. but it was directly connected to that so that definitely the high um, the joy of it and I'll say what's difficult about it yeah I think I'm always thinking about but more people can be reached mm. you know or greater impact can be had you know and I think just that invisible burden like oh. it's, it's intangible you can't touch it but it is I feel it Sure. every single day so it helps to motivate me but it's also it is every station has a suffering sure you know, and how can we can, ever do enough i heard someone you know, say recently you know when you reach the top of the mountain yeah you're gonna look up and yeah. see a bigger mountain come on so how can you yeah you, you know in service in anything you do yeah you can do your most and then you think did i do my most was that my 90 percent? i that, mean you know yeah. and i start to think and then i had to really fix this though because it was the wrong like i had i don't know what I don't know how that came to be. Mm. But then if somebody in my community, like let's say I just started taking things really personal, like um, somebody died. I, I, I had a degree of separation or I knew them directly. I'm like, you see, last week when I was out with maybe friends, I should have been over there with them. You, you know, them. I could have helped them. So I started wanting to be out now, <laughs> omnipresent, when some, some God savior and being there and saving. And when it, when someone died, which was quite often, it would really like disturb me and I'd be, I feel like it's my fault, mm. you know? Not that just I could have helped, but that's my fault, you should have done more. Mm. You know, why did you let them go that day? You should have spoken to them for maybe another 30 minutes. It just took another 30, you know? And then yeah. maybe they will be alive today and mm. that sort of, you know? But I think it's just, yeah. That's a lot to take. Yeah, that's heavy. too much. You know, yeah, it is too much, it's too, too much. much. And I think, you know, yeah. with everything that you, do now and as you said with this element of responsibility to your community and to where you came from you know your testimony your yeah. story yeah. you're living proof yeah. for those people as yeah. well yeah so you should remember that too yeah i'll, I'll try to <laughs> so i want to talk to you carl about the power hour because yeah do you know you know the show is called the power hour i do i do because i believe in the first hour of every single day being the most powerful and I think that it sets you up for the day ahead. So, you know, if you start your day in a, the best possible way, whatever that is for you, for some people, it might include exercise, it might include prayer, meditation. For some people, you know, if they don't have a, any purpose to their morning, they can feel lost. They can feel frantic, stressed, all of these things. So I would love to know, do you have a structured morning routine? What happens for the first hour of your day? So at the moment, um, and when I say moment, I say since my, probably 
since Lion has arrived, my son. Your son. And um, he's, he's six months old? He's six months old. Um, it's been... Actually, no. It was actually really backwards. I did every single night till he was about two months. You know, so I took two months off work and I was just... And that's because we was... There was some fears and, you know, certain mm. kind of early stages things. But he got over that. But I would say, at the moment, the morning routine is wake him up like 7.30, give him porridge, listen to, um, I feed him porridge to don't ask me why. It just instinct led. I, we listen to Motown. Okay. You know, we, that's what we do. I mean, it's the first thing. So the moment that I've kind of put the kettle on and I've kind of gone back to the bedroom to go and get him and I'm coming back in, the remote's in hand and we're putting on Papa was a Rolling Stone or yes. like we're putting on some sort of um, Donald Glover, you know, we're getting it cracking in some way, we're putting on Happy, hmm. you know, we're putting on, we're just singing, uh, Lean On Me is a huge one. What a great you way know? to start your day. I mean, Motown. I mean, it does, for me, it's just beautiful. You know, and I, I can't sing, but I sing for him and he <laughs> loves it. You know, his mom don't enjoy it as he's, much. He's your number one fan. He is, I mean, he is in, he loves it. And I just feed him the porridge. And then after that, I actually um, pray mm. as well. I put on gospel worship music and I just worship. Mm. And I do that with him now. Yeah. You know, so, and I love that. I love just having him in my hands while worshiping. For me, it just feels like I see God as a father, you mm. know. So just having him, my actual son in my hands, it just... When I'm embracing him, it feels like, you know, it's just a nice time. I do that. And then I'll put on an hour of classical music and just read some sort of book, you mm -hmm. know, whether it be My Economist that's delivered to me or whether it be um, one of the books that I'm reading mm -hmm. at the moment, which is, it just was Art of the Start. Art you know, of the Start. Art of the Start. Just finished that good read. Okay. Um, and, and so yeah. 7.30 for you, so 7.30 for you is late now because you late. used to get up super very early. Very late yeah. for me, yeah, So yeah, talk yeah. to me about when you used to get yeah. up at, was it 4.30? The 4 a.m. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. And this was for a long time? This was for, I mean, at least a year. Okay. Yeah, a, a solid year of waking up 4 a.m. And I must be honest, it was my power. Yeah. That, it gave me my edge. What did you do at 4 a.m.? Um, at 4 a.m. I would wake up and I would literally pray. I mean, it was my time to just connect mm. and I would do so, you know, and there was a stillness that you can't find at 5 a.m. I mean, it just weren't there. I looked at 5. I couldn't find it at 6 a.m. I did. I really wanted to kind of, yep. I wanted a hack, you know, but for me at 4 a.m. It just, it's where there was just, it was very minimal, you know, um, televisions aren't going on in neighbors' homes, you know. The cars aren't really moving around, you know. There's the, like the animals are doing like kind of. It's like the sem the nocturnal ones are kind of going sleep now, <laughs> you know. It's kind of a transition period, and that 4 a.m. for me was very spiritual, and I enjoyed it, you know. And it was also kind of cold, you know. The heating's not really, on. you know. Everything just kind of added to just make it a lovely time. So I spend the hour, um, I'm doing that, and then the next hour I would call it the golden hour, and that was my reading. And that was when I actually had, I became a ferocious reader that period there. I was reading a book a week. I was going at it. So even though I had that one hour, which was the golden hour, mm -hmm. I would have other hours during the day, you know, when I kind of finished or on a commute or somewhere where I just, I just wouldn't put the book down, you know, till it was finished in seven days, you know? Yeah. But then, yeah, that was a part of it. Then the next hour after that, 
after reading and kind of feeling inspired, I would want to maybe overdose and maybe tap into like a 15 minute TED talk, you know, watch the TED. And then after that, I'll write a plan for the day. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do today. And I'll just write that and then I'll swallow the frog. So I heard yeah, about this today. Yeah, that yeah. is so strange that you just said that yeah. because I was listening to a podcast today yeah. on the train uh-huh. and I heard two women talking about this swallow the frog yeah. which for anyone listening thinking what is that <laughs> it's essentially if you write a list of things that you need to achieve today yeah. what's the thing on there that you do not want to do yeah. circle the thing that is the worst thing on your list mm-hmm. and you do that thing first Absolutely. so one of a motto that I've shared on this show and that is kind of becoming like the uh, it's kind of becoming like the power hour motto which is my motto is you can do hard things and I often say it to myself mm-hmm. and to others at times when I need it so like getting out of bed early, yeah. you can do hard things. Yeah. Lacing up my shoes when it's cold, you can do hard things. You know, all these times I've had to use it. And I think it's the same kind of thing of saying, if Absolutely. you can do the hardest thing first, then you'll, you know, it's fine. Whereas don't put that one thing off, procrastinate, procrastinate. We all do it, you I know, mean, like, oh, I'll do this first. <laughs> but yeah, swallow the frog. Swallow the frog. That if you can was, swallow a frog. I mean, then what else is there, you know? <laughs> so literally, I, that really, I mean, just that, so I'll swallow the frog and then I, I did like 20 to 30 one-on-one meetings a week. I was big on relational power. Yeah. I was big on just kind of just meeting people, shaking hands, having a conversation, letting them know my intention and what I'm planning to do, hearing their intention and what their plans are to do, see if there's any overlap and just kind of go with the flow. I was just in flow, yeah. you know, and that would be every single day. Yeah, And I noticed that with your 4am power hour and your golden hour and with your routine now with your son, I noticed you said you give him porridge, but you don't actually eat breakfast, do you? No. No. So you fast in the morning? I mean, for me, it's, I actually lived a fasted lifestyle for maybe two to three years. Wild fast, maybe five, six days a week. And that was part of my rehabilitation. Like that's- Because it takes discipline. I mean, that was, that helped to accelerate. And because of the, extremity of what I was involved in like I meant I needed to fast it was like almost abstaining from food and not just for me it's not just the food because if you just abstain from food and water you're just starving <laughs> so for it for me to go from starving to fasting I had to also be mindful it was a huge mindfulness it was also a consciousness and me being aware of God and my interaction with him and then also keeping away from negative energy, negative conversations, you know, that was what made it not starving. So just fasting helped me, obviously guns and drugs are (laughs) pretty negative. So I kind of stayed away from that. So yeah, it did really help. So the difference between starving and fasting was being intentional. Absolutely. You chose that. Intention. You know, what you're saying then about the 4am, about swallow the frog, about fasting, all of these things require such discipline. And for many people who don't believe that they have Mm self-discipline, they'll say, oh, I don't want to eat sugary things but yeah. oh I gave in today or oh, I don't yeah. do this but and they say oh I don't have willpower and we did a, a show already talking about willpower yeah. and I think you know when you had to give up as you said earlier on things that were so ingrained in your life part mm-hmm. of your identity your community your culture you had to give those things up and you know if you have the discipline to give those things up yeah. and to you know you can do anything so Absolutely. I'm sure for you getting up at four or fasting you know yeah. those things by comparison yeah. easy but, but do we, not, just, we don't not think the that we're capable steps, though. Okay. Like, I mean, the first, like I've just started going back to, like I've had seasons in my life. When I actually was coming off the street as well, at one point 
I actually, for about a year or so, I got quite big, like mus muscle mass and all the rest of it, and creatine junkie slightly, and just kind of just. I mean, you're big now. Press. Yeah, but <laughs> I was really like, like, the like I mean, like yeah, quite brolic, you know. And that was mainly just to kind of now that I ref on reflection, was just to make me feel safer, because mm. I knew I was kind of you know, and also to occupy me, but literally. I haven't trained in that way in a very long time. You know, I don't do resistance training as much anymore. I'm an endurance athlete part-time. So <laughs> doing endurance stuff, muscles actually caught the counter. It don't really yeah, help, yeah. you know? So um, I've been doing all of that stuff, but then I've been wanting to get back in the gym and I have returned back. But I mean, this return has been very painful. I mean, it's not like I have to talk to myself every time before I'm going to go meet my PT and get this cracking, I'm literally like, yeah, you can do hard things. Hard things. Yes, I'm there, mom. I'm like, get this done because you have a vision and if you don't, and you know, I started to understand the importance of one day. Tomorrow has become so, it's, we take it so much for granted that we're like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. When I started to understand the importance of today, it changed everything for me. Because then I started realizing, I'm like, all right, cool. People want a good life or a great life or excellent life or a wonderful life. I'm like, what is life made up of? You can't touch life in its entirety, you know? It's just too big, you know? We can't hold it. Where is it, you know? So how am I gonna make life great? So I'm like, all right, cool. Life is made up of what? Decades, if you're fortunate enough, or years. So I'm like, all right, cool. I can't touch a year either. Like today, I'm sorry, I don't know what day it is today, but <laughs> whatever day it is today, I can't be in tomorrow or in yesterday, I am in today. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I can't touch a year, I can't touch a month, I can't touch a week, but I can't. I can touch a day. So I'm like, my days, this is the only thing I have contact with. So when I started to see it as important, my, I can't let this one actually go. Let me not, let me do it today. Because tomorrow, like it will just become tomorrow and then tomorrow and tomorrow stays tomorrow. Only when you do it today, you're gonna get it done. So I just got into that kind of today action. Hear it, you people, so, hear it. I love it, Carl, yeah. I love it. Honestly, yes, and I've said to people, when is one day as well? Because yeah. people say, yeah. one day, yeah. I'm gonna do this, yeah. one day, yeah. and when is one day? Yeah, yeah one Either, day. You know, you've got to date it, you've got to date those Come dreams, on. and as you said, today. What are you doing today that's gonna get you there? Because as you said, tomorrow is a dangerous word. Yeah. There's always tomorrow. Always. Know, if you're lucky. If you're, and this is what it is, we take it for granted. We think there's always gonna be tomorrow. Okay, great. So that leads me on perfectly to the yeah. Power Hour Challenge. Yeah. So I ask each guest to encourage our listeners uh -huh. to do one thing this week. Maybe it's for an hour, maybe it's not for an hour. Maybe it's once, maybe it's every day, but something that we can do. So we've been talking about change. We've been talking about transformation. You know, I love this eating the frog and not, you know, one day. So what could our listeners do this week to make a positive change? Mm. One small thing. You know, I'm huge on connection. And I believe that if you're okay, it will be okay. If you're great, it will be great. You know, I believe it does start with you. And I believe we underestimate how important connection is to us. And we all have somebody that maybe we've mixed signals with. You know, it might be that um, you wanted them to text you on your birthday 
I don't know, an hour before and they text you maybe six hours into the actual day and you're like, you know, I got a hump with that person. But you don't understand because it's not actually a worthy enough or valid reason to actually separate, separate, um, part ways with that person. Mm. It's actually going to be jarring you on a subconscious level. Mm. You know, it's not adding to you. So I'd say this week, think of someone that fits in that category mm. and just drop them a text just saying, you know what, I appreciate you. I understand we, you know, we were close. I want that. I want to share. No pressure. Just want to tell you that I love you. You don't even have to message me back. Enjoy your day. You know, something like that today, um, this week, that, I reckon that would, yeah. Yeah. aid us in That's whatever beautiful. we're doing yeah. i love that so connect with somebody connect reach with someone. out reconnect yeah reconnect yeah. and my closing question carl which i yeah. ask every guest on this show is for lots of different reasons i believe that pa- that time is the most valuable thing we all have mm-hmm. you can get your money back you can never get your time back yeah so what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you my days <laughs> just a, just a yeah. question. Yeah. Time itself has taught me that we don't have a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, um, a friend of mine is actually a really, really good mate of mine, and he was like, "You know, I'm, you're 30 this year. It's like I'm um, next year, sorry, which is the year we're in now." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "You're 30 this year." I know. I was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm 30 minus one." And he was like, wow, it's come round. This is, we're celebrating, right? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This is not enough for real. We got to really, really celebrate. I'm like, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's done. This is not enough. We really have. And I'm like, my man, I've told you we're going to celebrate. Now, what are you talking about? And he's like, do you realize that um, Tiny, who was my first friend that was murdered by my side, yeah, um, he died at 15. It's like we've lived Tiny twice. I'm like, my days. <laughs> we have actually lived tiny twice. I'm like, what, we're 30 now? And because that was the first loss in that way I had ever encountered, it is it stays with me today. I, I can smell when they, I, I helped, I was one of the six that carried his body down the church and I can literally smell now if I think about it the perfume they try to dose the casket with and the body so that you can't smell what was actually going on, you know? So I'm like, it, it, I was just like, my days, I remember being 15. And I'm like, we're 30 now. And I had a statement which was 18 going on 30. But I'm like, there's no going on 30 now. I'm actually going to be 30. And the urgency hit me again. So for me, I think urgency is a good thing, not an emergency. Yeah, I'm not talking about, oh yeah, I'm too old or I don't believe in none of that nonsense because like, what is the metric? You know, some people know what they need to do at 40. Some people have the ability to do it at 20. Some people live to 30, free and save the entire world, you know, <laughs> literally. So for me, it's not about that being too old, but it is to know that time, people have told me time and time again, but time itself has taught me because I am going to be 30 October the 26th of 2019. Yes. <laughs> so for me, it's like, yeah, I just want to get things in my house and all they get things cracking. Why have I been stalling? So uh, yeah, I want, I want to share that with everyone. I hope they feel me when I say I do remember, remember 
mm. being 15. Wow, and that's so powerful. <laughs> I've got goosebumps on that. Oh, we're here for it, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Carl. No, no, pleasure. Wow. Thank pleasure. you so much. Honestly, having you in today, I was looking forward to this all week oh, and man. it did not disappoint. I oh, really hope you. that our listeners have enjoyed this episode. And if they are loving hearing you speak and they want to hear more from you, which I'm sure they will, where can they find you? Online, in real life? Yeah, um, online, I would say definitely. I live on Instagram majority of the time. Yeah. And that's um, Carl with a K, um, underscore loco, loco spell L-O-K-K-O. Yeah, if you're the police, Lima Oscar, Kilo, Kilo Oscar. Yeah. Um, and um, Twitter, I don't use it too much. I need to start using it. Um, you should. Yeah, no, I really... And Twitter, uh, no, yeah, I need to live on Twitter. But that's at Carloco, no space in between it. And yeah, um, I've got uh, a book coming out. Two books, actually. A poetry book and a true fiction novel. That's what we're wow. calling it. Yeah. Congratulations. So, thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing yeah. that. And so I'm going to put you on the spot, Carl. Uh-huh. As you said, you have a poetry book coming out. I do. I did mention that you're a poet. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a poem for us? I do have. I always have a poem. and definitely got a poem for you. Take yeah? it away. All right, awesome. Have you ever seen the eyes on the butterfly's wings? Deep. Deep like the gaze of a glorified king. For they can overwrite they will overwhelm eternal like 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 they appear from another realm another world another life yes another life i too have known another life another state i am a walking contradiction i should have shared another fate I know a butterfly's fame, but felt the caterpillar's pain. My cocoon was love. But who loved the caterpillar? Drug dealer. Who loved the caterpillar? Gang member. Who will love the caterpillar? No, no, no. They can only love the butterfly. They take pictures of the butterfly. They speak scriptures of the butterfly, but label a nuisance. We that couldn't fly. They say the eye is the window to the soul. So if you really look close, you can see the caterpillar's pain in the eyes and the butterfly's wings. It stings. So strange is change. So great is love. Love is my cocoon. Change is not a contemporary art. Nor is it a recent trend. For the butterfly has been from the era Eocene. So that means for 50 million years it's been standing as a proof that change is real. And that change will come. So I say cocoon to the sky. For the butterfly is proof that the old me can die so that the true me may live. So now the wingless has wings, but it took a while. Metamorphosis. It took a trial. It took a hug. It took a kiss. It took a smile. But let the truth be told that this caterpillar was a butterfly all the while. Just in need of that cocoon. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Wow. I have tears in my eyes, Carl. Happy tears. Happy tears. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Amazing. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. 
I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> this is the Power Hour. So I really hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, all of that. I say it every week. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.